Good morning, my name is Pastor Danny Deeth and I welcome you to Sunday morning at First Presbyterian Church. We're glad you're here, come on in. The first lesson comes to us from Psalm 107, verses 4 through 9. Some wandered in desert ways, finding no way to an inhabited town, hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way until they reached an inhabited town. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wonderful works to humankind, for he satisfies the thirsty and the hungry he fills with good things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson is taken from Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. That is 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 27. That is 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three through 27. Listen for the word of the Lord and listen again with fresh ears. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, Paul says, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took a loaf of bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be unanswerable for the body and blood of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as we stay with Paul for a minute, what is his problem? What is his issue? He had already been to the church in Corinth Why does he have to keep sending them little letters to tell them what's going wrong? Why does he have to keep poking, keep poking? Well, for this church in Corinth, 1 and 2 Corinthians was one letter broken up into two books in our New Testament. There were several things that were dividing that church family. One was Jews and Gentiles. How are we all Christians when we come from such different lifelong generational pasts and histories? There were issues with who baptized different people in the church. The people that Paul baptized were saying, well, I'm, uh, Paul baptized me, I'm better than you. And, uh, and, and Apollos baptized several, and those were saying, well, we're better than us, and then, then you, Paul, people. And, and then Cephas Peter had called several uh, into discipleship, and so there are factions there. And then finally, the biggest issue, as we see it today on World Communion Sunday, is that there was a disparity between the rich and the poor and who was welcome at the table and who 
wasn't. Um, the rich had come and they had plenty to eat and plenty to drink, so much excess that they were drunk in their excess and literally at communion. And then the poor couldn't even get to the table because they had nothing literally to bring to the table. And Paul, being very specific in that last verse, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be answerable for the body and blood of the Lord. So there are several things going on that is separating that one church, several issues. And Paul is sending them some help, some guidance about how to move forward. Thank goodness there was division in the church in Paul's time, and we have done away with that now. So one of the things that we've been working on is being centered. If you remember when our potter, Sherry Spain, was here, and she was throwing a pot here on the wheel, and we said, Sherry, show them what it's like if you don't center your big old lump of clay right there in the middle, and it's just right. And it's wobbling, and the top of it is kind of flapping around. It's throwing off water and clay all over the place. You can't handle that. You can't work with that. You can't sculpt that or mold that into anything specific before you can become the mug or the bowl or the vase you must first center that lump of clay and the idea of centering is where we are centering ourselves through this fall season we talked about maturing in faith a few weeks ago that we are not designed or given the gifts or the faith that we've been given just to sit by and be Sunday to Sunday Christians where we're not growing, we're not pushing ourselves, we are not stepping out to find Christ in new ways or a new depth of faith. That is not our design. But we are meant to be stepping out. We are meant to be trying new things. You've heard that phrase, it's about the destination, not the journey. In our Christian faith, it is about the journey and the destination. Because it is the journey that helps, helps us get to know Christ and one another. And then the rest will take care of itself. So maturing in faith, big part, Paul talked about that through the Ephesians passage, about being united in Christ. Last week, Mark, a little bit of help from Paul, a little bit of help from Mr. Rogers, talked to us about loving our neighbor. Who is in our neighbor? Where is our neighborhood, boys and girls? And again, what is it that centers us? Growing in faith, loving our neighbor as ourselves. And today, it is all about this table, all about this meal. So we come to World Communion Sunday as something that had begun in 1933 from Shadyside Presbyterian Church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The pastor there had had issues in his own church and wanted to bring some unity and wanted to be connected with other churches, not just Presbyterian churches. And so the, Presbyterian, the, the, the vein of Presbyterian churches at that time picked it up, but it wasn't until World War II that what, what has now become the National Council of Churches picked it up 
And then it started feeding more and more around the world. Now, not all Christians participate, but we believe that there are millions who are today. I was at Publix yesterday buying all the bread. And the cashier said, are you having some kind of bread party or something? And I said, that's exactly what we're having, a bread party. See, we, it's, it's for a church, I'm the pastor, and we're having World Communion Sunday. I said, World Communion Sunday, what's that? I said, I'm in church every Sunday, I never heard of that. I said, well, it's, it's just a time where we celebrate many branches, not all, many Christians, but not all, what it means to come together at the table as one people. Oh, well, that's, that sounds pretty good. I said, well, come on. 845 and 11, love to see you. Not everybody participates, but many do today and many all over the world. Think about that. Every setting you can think where people gather, open air, closed buildings, huts, buildings, cinder block buildings with metal roofs, big glorious cathedrals, hidden because those who are persecuted are many and hiding and worshiping and joining us today at the table, even though their lives are at risk all over the world. It's amazing to think about this meal that started thousands of years ago. I mean, think about that. When Christ gathered with those first disciples, they were celebrating Passover. That time when the Jews celebrate their exodus and being freed from Pharaoh's enslavement through the Red Sea into the wilderness. That Seder meal that our Jewish friends practice where the symbolic foods tell the story of their freedom, God freeing them through those events. Except that night, Jesus, instead of telling that story, took the bread and broke it and said, this is my body broken for you and my blood shed for you. And from that meal to this one, how many times have Christians celebrated the Lord's Supper, communion, the Eucharist? Eucharist is a Greek word for thanksgiving. It is a meal of thanksgiving and joy. How many Anybody take a guess? I have no idea. Right now, there are 2.5 billion Christians in the world of 7.9 billion people fully on earth. 7.9, we'll just call it eight, we're pretty close. And then 2.5 of that are Christians, all celebrating roughly two main foundations of the Christian faith. Certainly we all profess a belief in Jesus Christ, and we practice that with baptism and communion. And the overwhelming majority of Christian branches practice those, although in different ways, some variances on our understandings, but these are one of the things that unites us, the way that we practice our belief and faith. If it's 2.5 billion right now, just think over the last several thousands of years, how many times this meal 
has been celebrated. That's pretty amazing. And that's the family that we join at this table. We fully believe there are supernatural and spiritual events that happen at this table, good ones. Not only is Christ present, but it's as if we have access to the full kingdom of God for just this moment. For we also celebrate that those that have gone before us in faith also join us at this table. Think about who helped get you to this place, mentally, physically, in your life. Maybe it was a parent, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, a child, a friend. For some, families have been Christians for generations and generations and generations. They all join us at this table. That is almost overwhelming in itself. Because we get a glimpse of this kingdom. We get a glimpse of that banquet table where Christ says, come to this bread party. I am that bread and I want you to partake of me so that I will be with you forever. There's nothing but good news there. But there's also responsibility there. There's a lot of spiritually hungry people in the world, and I hope we are spiritually hungry, just as we cannot grow into mature Christians unless we are constantly practicing being a follower of Jesus Christ. We need that hunger, but we've consumed some of that already. There are some out there that don't understand or have written off Christianity because of what they see or what they understand. We have even been bad examples as we fight and tear at each other to show the world what Christians should be. Jimmy Carter, in a recent article in Christian Century, says the most serious blight that presently exists among believers is a division within this powerful river of faith. These divisions and even animosities are a cancer that is metastasizing within the body of Christ, presenting to the world a negative image of Christianity. Even on World Communion Sunday, we are conscious that numbers of people are not even welcome at many tables of communion around the world. So we certainly have some work to do. But with the meal that we have consumed, with the gifts that we've been given, with being spiritually nourished, there is responsibility because there are so many out there that either don't understand, won't understand, or have decided incorrectly, in my opinion, who God is, who Christ is, who the Holy Spirit is, who we are as Christians. Only time you see Christianity in the news is when something bad happens or the pastor takes off with the offering or the secretary. There goes those Christians again. Hypocrites? Yes, we are. Because we're human. We're all hypocrites. So are you. So am I. But here we know it and we admit it and we seek to be better through our relationship with Christ. But showing people in the world about faith and trying to help feed them spiritually is a lot of what this table is about. We don't just eat and are physically and spiritually fed and then ah, 
sit back on the couch and wait for kickoff. We are nourished and empowered to go out and share this meal with others. There is such hunger out there, such need, such famine that is both spiritual and physical. And we cannot sit as those who have partaken spiritually or physically while others are hungry in any way, that also will be answerable to God. Because we've been set up, we've been given in, in a positive way, given everything that we need. And when we embrace that, instead of toying at it, instead of playing with it, instead of Sunday, every once in a while, Sunday, 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 but nothing more, not only are we not centering ourselves, not growing mature, not reaching out and treating, treating our neighbor as ourselves, but we're given all those gifts, we're taking that and we're hoarding it. We are hoarding it. That was not God's plan. So we need to take this spiritual food out into the world. That is our first call today. Second, literally and physically, as a part of that spiritual nourishment, we need to be feeding others physically. A few stats. The world was doing well from the 2000s up until just a couple of years ago. Global hunger was being curtailed, all of the efforts paying off. But from 2019 to 2020, the number of undernourished people grew by as many as 161 million, a crisis driven largely by conflict, unstable governments, climate change, and the COVID-19 pandemic. Right now, there are 720 million people plus that are food insecure. These are 2020 numbers. Hunger is still a need. We will meet some of that need today. 15,000, that is a lot in one day, but it's a drop in the water of this ocean, but that drop will ripple. Like the starfish story, what does it matter with so many who are hungry? Well, it matters to those 15,000 that are gonna get fed because of our work today that God is allowing us to participate in and be transformed by as we're seeking to help others. They, even though we don't know them, are helping to transform us through God's Holy Spirit. Well, even if we did 15,000 meals a day, 365 days a year, if we took one year and said we're doing 15 a day, we're not doing it. That number would be 5,475,000. That's a lot, and that's better, but in a sea of 720 million, but if we do our part as this church and every church that is also taking communion this morning and those who even aren't, if we were to gather all those 2.5 billion people, what in the world could we do together? A lot. When we do our piece, the church next door does their piece, the church down the street does their piece, the church around town, through the state, 
through the nation and around the world. We are doing amazing things as God's people. We often get hammered by those who look at the injustices wrought by the church, the manipulation by the church, and it has, and we have to embrace that. But what also must be confessed and professed is the way that from that first dinner until now, the church has been the presence and witness of Jesus Christ in the world, even flawed, even broken, and has sought to take care of those in greatest need ever since Christ brought it into power. What would the world have been like without the Christian church and its presence? How many people would not have been helped would it have been for thousands of years of those who see this as a part of their call? Dr. King, from his letter from a Birmingham jail, 63, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. He said, we are caught in a network of mutuality tied to a garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. So if it's not even for our call from Christ, it's to make this world and the people in it a better place and better people because we can help them to do that. And the more we shy away, the more the world falls into chaos and darkness. The more that we stand up and share the love and grace of Jesus Christ, the more the world is transformed. So I will close with a story. A Methodist pastor named Thomas Pettipus, who was imprisoned during World War II, was a political prisoner, was in a space with 10,000 other prisoners, all cut off from everything, homes, jobs, contact with their families. It was Easter and they wanted to celebrate communion, but they had no cup for communion, no wine for communion, didn't have water for communion, had no bread either. So they practice what they call the communion of the empty hands. This meal in which we take part, the pastor said, reminds us of the imprisonment, the torture and death and final victory of the resurrection of Christ. The bread is the body which he gave for humanity. The fact that we have none, bread or juice, represents very well the lack of bread and the hunger of so many millions of humans be human beings. The wine which we don't have today in his blood represents our dream of a united humanity, of a just society without difference of race or class. He held out his empty hand to the next person on his right and passed the imaginary loaf. Each one took a piece, passed it on. He said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Together they ate the imaginary bread trying to imagine its taste. Then the non-existent chalice, take this, drink is the blood of Christ which was shed for you. Let us give thanks for sure that Christ is here with us, strengthening us. Afterwards, they stood and embraced each other. One of the non-Christian prisoners came up and said, you people have something special which I would like to have. And another said, pastor, this was a real experience. I believe that today I discovered what faith is. So today... As we come to this table that we have been invited to, and so too the rest of the world, many do not have food. 
So we will observe and remember that they may be practicing the communion of empty hands. There are 340 million Christians living in places experiencing high degree of persecution and discrimination. They too may be in quiet, dark places without bread, without cup. So today we will remember them as we gather at this table to be fed physically and spiritually. And then to go from here and feed those who are famished for the word of God.